Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's Big Door Prize. Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chan Hassan Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with you. And with me today from KSTP TV, the boys downstairs, Darren Wolfson. Darren, how are you? I'm going, I'm doing well, Matthew. I mean, this must just be what filler heading into a holiday weekend. <laughs> no, we're actually going to talk all NBA Wolves offseason here on the Purple Podcast. I would love that. I just got done talking four hours of. Not not completely NBA, uh, but a lot of NBA with uh, with Mister Zolgad. So if you want to talk NBA, it's it's top of my mind. But trust me, I'm I'm all over the Vikings happenings as well. Okay, well that's good because the NBA offseason is going to be great. But there is something big to watch here over the next few weeks with the Minnesota Vikings, and that is the situation with Stefan Diggs and Anthony Barr. Now that Daniel Hunter is locked up to a big contract, $14.5 million per year. There are two guys left who are set to be free agents after next season, Anthony Barr and Stephon Diggs. Uh, I'll start with you, Doogie, on something that Judd wrote for our website. He said, basically, if you had to choose between the two, which would you take, and and wrote about that. And where do you think the organization stands if they can't sign both guys? I think in a perfect world, they're retaining Stefan Diggs, Matthew, but it always comes down to money. Like, I'm pretty convinced Diggs isn't taking significantly less than what Jarvis Landry got in Cleveland. And you would know the numbers better than me, but I believe the guarantee is $47 million five years, approximately $75 million. Not that he ever will see that $75. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But the guarantee is, what, $47 million? Now, maybe that's an outlier. Maybe that's resetting the market, but I can just tell you, I don't get the sense that Diggs and his camp, his agent, all those folks are willing to take significantly less. You know, so if the Vikings are offering a team-friendly deal, and in many ways I think they got Daniel Hunter in a team-friendly deal, you know, if they're offering Stephon Diggs a team-friendly deal, now I get it, he's a fifth-round pick. It's not like he's broken the bank so far, but I don't think he's necessarily settling for a team-friendly deal. But in a perfect world, yes. I mean, if you're just asking me on the surface, who do the Vikings prefer for the next, you know, two, three, four years? Stefan Diggs or Anthony Barr? I do think it's Stefan Diggs. You are correct, by the way, on the Jarvis Landry contract details. It was five years, seventy-five point five million, with forty-seven million dollars guaranteed. 
Now, what is your sense for what Stefan Diggs might think he's worth or what the market might say about his worth? Because I look around and I look at what Sammy Watkins got, a guy who had significant injury history and still got $30 million guaranteed. And Landry is great for your fantasy football team, but as far as his skills as a wide receiver, I think that Stefan Diggs is either just as good or better than Jarvis Landry. So how high might the Vikings be willing to go? Could he kind of back them into a corner here, knowing that they really need to do everything they can to support Kirk Cousins? I think that's exactly it, right? I mean, I think Diggs is the better player, right? I mean, you would know better than me just from watching enough film and and reading more stuff than I do, but, but Jarvis does a lot of his work in the slot. You know, Diggs has that flexibility. He can perform out of the slot, but I think on the outside, give me Diggs over Landry every day of the week. So if you're Diggs, if you're his agent, I think you need to look at the Landry money and say, okay, we're looking for something comparable, you know, whether it's $45 million guaranteed, 44. But, again, I don't think he's taking significantly less. I mean, if the guaranteed money is, is closer to Watkins, you know, somewhere in the 34, 35, 36 million range, I think Diggs will say, let's play this thing out. You know, heck, if you want to franchise me, franchise me. What's the franchise tag next year for a wide receiver? 17 million, 17 and a half million? You know, so do the Vikings want to use the franchise tag on Diggs? And, oh, by the way, I can promise you that Adam Thielen and his agent are going to go to the Vikings a year from now and say, it's time to redo our deal. Yep. <laughs> that you're underpaying us, me specifically, not that Adam's going to have those conversations uh, himself, but, but I can promise you the Vikings need to take care of Adam Thielen a year from now. You know, But <clears throat> I think when you invest the money you did in the quarterback, when you've got enough pieces on defense, if it's one or the other, I think you have to pay digs. I do. And I think if you're Anthony Barr, you can say, okay, I'm about to make $12 million this upcoming year. I can afford to say, you know what, I'll roll the dice because I'm getting compensated so much money this year. I will roll the dice. I want to hit the open market. And as good a relationship as the Vikings, Matthew, have with Barr's agency, athletes first, when you think about Harrison Smith and Everson Griffin and Kyle Rudolph and any number of guys they've negotiated with, over the years that that are represented by Athletes First, I still think the Athletes First folks looked at the Daniel Hunter deal and said, whoa, I can't believe you signed that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's really team-friendly. You know, so that just leads me to believe that that the Athletes First folks are are open-minded to the possibility of of Barr hitting the open market next March. So, yeah, I I think if if you're Diggs and his agent, you know, that's where the Landry, I mean, I get it that the Browns had all this cap space. Uh, but I think the Browns didn't do many teams many favors with, with that Landry money because that is that to me is sick money. That's ridiculous money. I can get it why Julio Jones is looking for, for a new deal in Atlanta. Like if you're Julio Jones, you have to be laughing at, at the idea that, that Jarvis Landry and the fact that he's making all that money and you're not making close to that. You know, so I think if you're Diggs you're you're kind of in the same boat. You know, certainly Julio's a better player than Diggs, but, but I think if you're Diggs, you got to look at yourself and say, I'm worth more than Jarvis Landry. So maybe I'll take a, a somewhat, you know, friendlier deal, you know, just to get the long-term security, you know, just to be locked in in this violent sport. You know, I can get hurt at any time. But, but I'm telling you, I think the Landry contract uh, certainly helps Diggs. Uh, doesn't do the Vikings any favors. Now, with Anthony Barr, do you think that the Vikings would be the team that values him more than other teams on the market? Not that he couldn't get more money, because that usually happens no matter what, but I kind of look at his role, and I think he's a very, very good player. 
But where we are in terms of the value of linebackers, if you're not a special linebacker, especially in coverage, I wonder what impact you really make on the overall success of a defense when it's so much about edge rushers, so much about cornerbacks, and that's why they're getting paid a lot more than a lot of the linebackers in the league. Do the Vikings look at him as the Pro Bowl first-round pick that he's come through on those things and was worth that top draft pick and is super valuable to keeping this number one defense together? Or if they've already got Rhodes locked up and they've got Hunter locked up, Griffin, Joseph, all these other key pieces, is he the one that they could let go and not have it really hurt them a lot on defense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's somewhere in the middle, but maybe more toward the latter not the former. I mean, just on the surface, I mean, how valuable is an outside linebacker in a 4-3 scheme? Now, we saw it. I can't remember if it was OTAs and minicamp. If it was just minicamp to me, they're pretty much the same thing. But we saw the Vikings experimenting with Barr. You know, didn't he have his hand on the ground at one point? Are they trying to find different ways to to maybe use him as an edge rusher? Mm -hmm. You know, and and that goes back to what I was saying when when they chased Michael Kendricks. I mean, I was led to believe that, that part of their pitch to Michael was, yeah, we may not pay you as much as Cleveland, but you're just not a first and second down linebacker if you come here. We will find different ways to have you on the field in third down situations, nickel situations. You know, and I didn't know what the what the other part of that was, but now I'm starting to think that that was Anthony Barr then has his hand on the ground. You know, so the linebackers would have been Eric and Michael, Anthony with his hand on the ground. Uh, but I still think the Vikings have so many other defensive pieces in place. I mean, heck. You think about even in Mike Zimmer's comments. I mean, was it a year ago? I don't know. All the comments blend together. But and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, Matthew, but you'll know better than me. But, but didn't he question Anthony Barr's dedication, effort level? I mean, he did, there's yeah. some question marks about that. Now, Anthony was better last year than he was two years ago, but we saw him disappear at times two years ago. You know, so can you invest upwards of 12 to $15 million a year you know, $38 million guaranteed or whatever it might be for, for Anthony Barr, as much as you value him, as much of a, a freak athlete as he is, can you do that when you've got all these other defensive pieces in place? So I'm just telling you, to me, it's I don't even think it's that close internally. Now, if Barr wants to sign a team-friendly deal, I don't think the Vikings are anti-keeping him long-term, but I'm just telling you, my sense is that, that it's not really all that close internally in terms of if it's one or the other, Diggs versus Barr. And, and I think that if they look what they got Eric Hendricks for, he did Anthony Barr no favors with the deal that he signed. I mean, he's got to be happy about it to have $50 million, but at the same time, if you look at their roles, their roles are so similar. And Barr might rush the passer a little bit more, but it's not like he has a ton of sacks over the last few years. So mostly it's just been those two working together to shut down opposing teams, running backs out of the backfield, to cover tight ends. And they've done a really good job of it overall. The, the comment you uh, alluded to was in 2016, sort of late in the season. And I think Anthony Barr had an injury too, and Mike Zimmer was frustrated. That was when Zimmer was dealing with his, his eye problem and, and all those things. Yeah, so, sure. I think there's more to that story. You're absolutely yeah, right. But yeah. But nonetheless, I mean, Zimmer did make those comments. He did, yes. You know, I, but I can also tell you, I think I think Barr's camp absolutely would welcome the possibility of him hitting the market next March. Mm-hmm. I think he'd get paid. I think somebody would pay him. You know, I, I think somebody would break the bank thinking, yeah, maybe there's more there in terms of being an edge rusher. Yeah. You know, we can use him in different ways. That that, that athlete is such a freak of nature. You know, we're going to, you know, nearly reset the market for an outside linebacker. So I, I think he's going to get paid one way or another. 
I just think there's a better chance, unless he's willing to take a team-friendly deal to stay here long-term, that that pay comes from another team, not the Vikings. It would be really interesting if they used him as part of an edge-rushing rotation this year, which I could really see, uh, especially from what we took in in, in minicamp. And also his skill set. And when he was coming out of college, I think a lot of people saw him as someone that could rush off the edge, maybe even in a 3-4 scheme. If there was a 3-4 team out there that wanted to put him on the outside and rush all the time. So if see last year he rushed only on 11% of his snaps. Let's say they move that up to 20%. And let's say he gets... I didn't realize it's that low. It's that low. Yeah. Yep. Only 11%. Uh, pro yeah, football I think focus that number's this. going up. I don't know how much it's going up, but I'm I'm positive it's going up this year. So let's say it's twenty percent, and he gets seven or eight sacks. I mean, then I think I think he's definitely gone. And if you're him, maybe you bank on that. If that's something you've talked about, and Zimmer was quite clear that he wants more of a rotation. Well, who's rotating in? I mean, to Sean Bauer, mm-hmm. maybe Stephen Weatherly, maybe. But they do like Weatherly, and yeah, maybe Bauer. But yeah, I mean, I think Bauer fits into that equation absolutely. Right. So if he's doing that more often, I think he will rack up sacks, and he could be good at that. Um, so aside from Bar and Diggs, because we'll we'll wait and see on those. Is there anything else that you could see the Vikings doing? It really caught my eye that they had conversations with Michael Kendricks. It kind of says, like, okay, even though their free agency, you know, and picking up guys and things like that is pretty much over with, they're still in their mind always looking for ways to improve on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. So is there anybody that could be a late ad or that could surprise us when we get to training camp? Well, I don't even know if it would be a surprise. Now, I don't have any steam right this second, but you just you look at some of the safeties that are still available. You'll know the names better than me, but but there's some good players. Heck, there's some there's some linebackers available. I knew I know that you wrote about them recently on 1500ESPN.com. You know, so I guess I wouldn't be surprised if after the first handful of days of of training camp they they reassess things, but. But I, I don't have any steam right now. Or maybe when they get back from their vacations, I know a lot of guys will be out of the office after the 4th for a little bit. Maybe when they get back on, you know, July 20th or whatever that day may be and they have they have some personnel meetings, maybe they make a move right before training camp. But, but there's no steam right now. I mean, the one thing I'll be keeping an eye on is I know they have a healthy opinion of Nick Easton. There haven't been any Easton extension talks quite yet. Mm-hmm. But I think those talks eventually happen. You know, what about Trey Waynes as we look out a year from now? You know, could they look to extend him? I'm told there's been zero dialogue so far on that front. But is that something they potentially explore? You know, they were at the pro day for for the Western Michigan cornerback the other day. You know, when looking at the supplemental draft on when is that July 11th? You know, they were they were there along with every other team. I mean, the kid from Western Michigan that was a PJ Fleck recruit, uh, he's like a second or third round pick. So I, I don't think they're going to pull the trigger. You know, maybe a team like Buffalo or Cleveland does. Uh, but I think they're always looking to help the secondary. I think Mike Zimmer's always looking for. For defensive backup. So to me, I'd keep an eye on safeties as much as anything, especially if the Sendejo injury lingers. I have no reason to believe mm-hmm. that it'll linger, but he certainly missed what? Did he miss all of all OTAs of. in minicamp? I can't remember yep, if he missed all, all or just a he portion. Yep, it was the yeah, time. he missed all. So that's an injury to keep an eye on. I don't I don't have any reason to believe that, that he won't be on the field come those first couple of days of training camp. But, but, hey, he could have some sort of setback or, you know, the timetable could get pushed back. So, you know, maybe. So to me, I'll be, I'll be keeping an eye on safeties. You know, me, like uh, a lot of people, are, are taking next week off. So when I get back into the office on, on the 9th of July, that'll be among things that I'll be tracking if, if the Vikings are, are interested in any of those safeties. It would make a lot of sense for them to sign either Eric Reed or Trey Boston. Um, Trey Boston had a bunch of picks last year. He, I, I mean, I, I went back and watched them, and some of them are tipped off people's hands. Uh, 
I think at least one of them came in the game that Nathan Peterman started for the uh, Buffalo Bills that was a famous disaster. But he's a guy with a lot of experience that could be that deep zone safety. And I agree with you with the Sendejo point. Last year, he had the best year of his career, highest pro football focus grade. To my eye, the best that I've seen him play. And then against New Orleans, he has a devastating concussion comes back the next week, had to be pulled out from that Eagles game. And I don't know if that is the reason that he's still sitting out. Uh, I would hope not for his health, that it's not the concussion that's still lingering. But the fact that he wasn't participating at all, it does make you wonder, a guy who gets into his 30s, if we could see him fall off, and they really don't have any sort of parachute there, any sort of uh, backup plan. Anthony Harris is a solid player, but not somebody you want starting more than a game or two here or there. And J. Ron Curse is not developed into that type of player who can fill in. He's more of just a, a punt gunner type guy. So Trey Boston, Eric Reed, uh, Kenny Vaccaro, I believe, is still out there. I think those guys will find spots, and maybe the Vikings should be looking into them. So Maybe. Um, no, they didn't have interest in Vaccaro last year, Vaccaro, when, when New Orleans – you know, parted ways. Uh, it is interesting to me. I always wonder, just in general terms, you know, why is a guy still available? What red flags am I missing? Like, you know, heck, I'll circle it back to the NBA. Why not? Like, the Wolves get the Big Ten Player of the Year with pick 48 last week, Kata Bates Chop. Mm-hmm. Like, how the heck does he fall to pick 48? A guy that talented. You know, then you dig d- deeper and you realize – yeah, you know, some medical red flags going back to an injury he had a couple of years ago. Maybe didn't perform so well in, in some of the individual workouts. You know, he is up there in age. Okay, you start to add all that together, plus it was a really deep draft. Okay, now it starts to make some sense why he fell to pick 48. I just wonder why Boston is available. Yeah. You know, Eric Reed, I, I, I get some of it because of the, the off the field. Not that he's a uh, cancer himself, but, you know, the, the anthem and, and protesting and all that, that maybe some teams just – don't want to deal with that side show, but but on Trey Boston specifically, I guess I'm curious. I, I don't know. I'll have to research it, Matthew. But but I'm wondering why the heck is he available? He's too good of a player to be available at this point. If I had to guess, he was probably thinking he was gonna. It, it might be like a baseball situation where a lot of those players, the Lance Lins out there, thought that they were just gonna get a huge contract because they were free agents and they had good years the year before. And and he did Boston did, but he may be overvaluing himself. It seems like some teams have shown interest in him, but they also don't look at interceptions the same way that they used to, I think. So when you're looking at a guy who gets six interceptions, but some of it's luck, some of it's just overthrows and maybe only one or two of them were him really making a spectacular play on the ball. But then he goes to teams and says, I I got all these picks. You should sign me to this huge contract and make me a starter when maybe they don't see his value as that. But if the Vikings were to pick him up, I think he would be great depth. And if you look at what the Eagles did last year, one of their late signings was somebody that I was banging the table for the Vikings to get. And that's Corey Graham because I, I covered, yeah. covered him a bit in Buffalo, and he's a versatile mm-hmm. player, a veteran player. That good. He yeah. would have fit really well, and he ended up playing a good amount of snaps in the Super Bowl. So I think that that's mm-hmm. what the Vikings have to make sure they have is certainty behind Sandejo. Because you remember 2016, they lost Harrison for a game or two there. They lost Sandejo for a game or two, and it really hurt their defense. That was the difference between them being the top defense and then just sort of being okay. And so I think with Super Bowl aspirations, anything that they can do to add a little bit of free agent or veteran talent here, they should be looking at doing. Yeah, and I think they will. So, I mean, whether it's safety, linebacker, 
You know, I still think there's some question marks at the tight end position. I don't know what free agents are available off the top of my head, but, but I think that's another position that we could keep an eye on. Heck, I don't think you can ever have enough offensive linemen. So, I mean, I do think there are some question marks. So, yeah. You know, I just – I wonder if you're Trey Boston, okay, maybe on March 15th you were looking to break the bank. March 30th, maybe even into April, into May, but then as you get into OTAs and minicamp, don't you at that point say, okay – I'm not getting what I'm looking for, unless you're waiting for an injury, unless you're just waiting for training camp to start. Some team loses at starting safety, yep. you know, freak injury, you know, during a practice. If you're just banking on that, which I guess, heck, I'm sure some team's going to lose a safety the first week or two of training camp. I guess you could sort of bank on that. But outside of that, to me, don't you just take a one-year deal, a flyer, and, and go somewhere where you can get into their off-season program, get to know the defense, get to know your teammates, and then hit the open market again next March. I mean, that to me makes more sense. But at this point, I have to imagine that Boston and these other guys are saying, I'm just going to wait until camp starts and wait for some team to lose, lose its starter, and then I'll go to that team. Yep, and that will definitely happen. Uh, speaking of that, last thing for you, Doogie, Adrian Peterson, do you think he gets a job? God, I mean, he is – the begging has gotten out of control. I had to Texans to sign him, it's – Uncle, mercy, enough, Adrian. Like, I feel bad for, for to me, what, what should be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, I mean, I absolutely think he belongs in, in Canton. But enough, Adrian. Stop begging. Like, I think he'd come on this podcast if we want him to, just to <laughs> beg, hoping that, that somebody in the Texans front office, you know, would, would hear it. You know, and whether it's Houston or, or some other team, he just enough. You know, so uh, I will <laughs> interview if uh, Adrian's people are listening. I will interview Adrian. I'm available. Yeah, yeah well, if you want a phone number or two, I can help you. So if you want to try <laughs> to book him, if if you need some holiday filler next week or the week after, I can I can maybe help you in in that regard. But maybe it's worth a try. I don't know. That's yeah. I will lean yes. I don't know where. So don't even ask me for a team. But I think some team at some point, maybe it's in August after they lose their running back. But yeah. but I think before before opening week, what Sunday September 9th, you know Thursday September sixth, I do think he will be on a roster. How about that? I'm gonna say no, but uh, the uh, guy downstairs that works in the cafeteria always talks sports with me, and he yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just saw him, and yeah. he brought up the Jets. For uh, Adrian and like the Jets are a classic team to take some guy who's totally shot at the end of his career and give him a job. So maybe. But what is what is the Jets end goal? Like, do they have playoff aspirations this year? I think maybe they do. I mean, when you look at the AFC East, they could get two wins against both Miami and Buffalo. Those two teams are are awful. Yeah, you're not you're not beating the Patriots. But yeah, you could go four and two and. In division games, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you got a chance. And if either uh, if Darnold wins the job or if Teddy is playing anything like old Teddy, I mean, maybe they have enough talent there to go nine and seven. I guess it's possible. Yeah, and you get in on a tiebreaker. Yeah, okay. The you've, bad. You've convinced me. You also study this stuff, especially this time of the year. You study it way more than I do. But yeah, you've told me. Okay, all right. And you know what? Uh, Cook guys has told me too. Yeah. So I mean, whether it's the Jets. The Texans, 
Uh, I mean, Miami maybe could use another running back. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's probably a number of teams that could use another running back. I, I will lean yes. I'll bet you lunch. How about that? And if I lose, I get to take you to lunch anyway. <laughs> okay. Have a good time. All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, I'll owe you a, uh, a milkshake at least for coming on the podcast, doing a little extra work today after you already hosted. So thank you very much, Doogie. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast.